Hey, everybody, we'll be with you in just mere moments. We are doing a all-call show. Thank you for being here. We'll be on Twitter Spaces, of course. Those of you that are out on Twitter Spaces, uh, please do raise your hand, and uh, you just request, and I'll bring you up to the podium. And by requesting, you will be agreeing to be on multiple platforms. We are out on Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, multiple places. And if you don't feel like raising your hand uh, and you want to interact in other means, you can go to Rumble for the Rumble Rants, or you can go over to Restream on any of those same platforms. And, no, not uh, restream. You can go to drdrew.tv and get the link to YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, and we can see your comments on Twitter now, which I did not know. That's how to say that. And uh, already some interesting questions coming up on uh, on the uh, restream, so I'd like to get, engage this conversation. We've had a lot of information in the last, uh, really, couple of weeks, uh, and we sort of need to process all that and go over it and you know, talk about what I do and I do not agree with and what my feelings are about all this we've learned, and we'll get right to it. We'll do this every week, I suspect, at least once. So let's get right to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Hey, everybody, already up on Restream, somebody raised a question about uh, Novavax and stroke. And so I'm quickly getting to the literature. As always, it's very hard for me to review literature while I'm also trying to talk to you guys and answer questions. But uh, all I see really is thrombotic, thr thrombotic thrombocytopenia purpura, which is really what was known from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. So when I look up Novavax and uh, let's see, I just don't see it. So maybe you guys can put the, any quotes or any literature that you, where you've seen that maybe up on the restream. And uh, Susan and Caleb, keep an eye out for that. Uh, we have lots of you with your hands up over on the Twitter spaces. So I want to get right to it. But uh, before we do, I just want to say the, you know, some very interesting conversations we've had on the Kelly Victory Days. And uh, uh, the one thing that I've come out of it with with absolute clarity is, Everyone wants more and better science. That, that's the, that is what my peers are asking for. Please give us more science. Please give us more data. Please ask the difficult questions. If somebody has a hypothesis that something is happening, like in uh, Naomi Wolf's case, she has a hypothesis that there might be something affecting pregnancy, let's do the, let's do the randomized control styles, trials or let's do the necessary biological inquiries to try to see if there's any evidence. I don't see a signal. I've not seen it uh, in my use uh, and deployment of the vaccine. You would imagine that in a, you know, a multi-billion <laughs> outlay of a vaccine, you would see a pretty strong signal. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Doesn't mean it's not a rare or even moderately not so rare uh, phenomenon. Vaccines, treatments, medical interventions all have potentially problematic outcomes. As I've pointed out many, many times, the Johnson & Johnson, as I referred to at the beginning here, um, caused, you know, transverse sinus thrombosis, thrombotic thrombocytopenia purpura, really serious reactions, caused them to pull back on that vaccine. There's also some data out today on Paxlovid. Uh, there's a New England Journal study looking at hospitalization and death. Uh, again, I've looked at, not a chance to look at it very carefully, and I, and I hate the fact that I'm saying that an awful lot these days, but I've been a bit busy today. 
but I did look at it. And uh, they were looking at hospitalization and death as endpoint. And in those particular endpoints, it's not clear what Paxlovid is doing under the age of 65. Over the age of 65, clear benefits, but not clear benefits insofar as the endpoints of hospitalization and death. Does not mean that you don't get better quicker, that it causes less misery, that it uh, causes less long COVID, for instance. What would the impact of Paxlovid be on long COVID? We don't know yet. So there's more science that needs to be done to look at that population that doesn't already essentially is not getting hospitalized and dying. That's not happening in the under 65 or very rare. So rare that it's hard to get a big enough signal out of the studies. Not that it doesn't happen, that it's rare, therefore it doesn't show up statistically significant in these studies. Now, what should show up is a reduction in misery, a reduction in days lost work, a reduction in infectivity maybe, and a reduction perhaps in long COVID. At what cost? At what cost? Maybe more rebound, maybe less immunity. We don't know. One of my concerns about Paxlovid is that it, it seems to me, my clinical sense is that people that take Paxlovid at a young age are more prone to get Omicron again quickly. Their, their immunity doesn't seem to be boosted up. Uh, like my, my own situation, I have hybrid immunity. I had alpha, or I had delta, and I had a vaccine. And then I had Omicron, and now I seem impervious to Omicron. I, I've been locked in rooms with people with Omicron. I don't seem to get it. Will I get it in six months? Maybe, possibly. Doesn't mean I'm forever impervious. But for me to take a vaccine right now, hmm, interesting question. Should I do it? Should I not? Uh, Dr. Malone, Diana is coming up on Wednesday. Uh, I mostly interest myself in talking to him about the so-called mass formation psychosis, which I am persuaded is a real thing, whether that's exactly what it is or that's exactly what sets it up. Uh, there are many aspects of the construct that are really quite uh, compelling, quite compelling. So let me take a look over. Um, Can you see the Twitter feed under the, you know, when you push on the live uh, stream, can you see the questions there? You mean the requested yeah, people the, with their hands uh, up? The question, no, the, the, um, the text like the, ah, yes, can I can. Okay. Yes, I can. Somebody uh, said they wanted to ask a question here and not come over to Twitter spaces. Uh, see, it's not on the restream, yeah. it's on the Twitter. You have to click on the actual. It does something weird though. I don't know I if you should do that. It. You might lose the. No, no, I've got it. Spaces. I've got it, but when I click on it, can you do it on your computer instead of on the? I don't know if that's. I think I'm looking at them. I'm thinking of looking at the stuff now. So Yeah, I just don't want it to boot them out of the, the Okay, Twitter so I, I'm going to read what I've got there. I've got Enna saying, thank you. Thank you, Enna. Uh, same with Slugger11. Uh, Theo, I see you there. Do I agree that obesity is a disease? That is uh, what Zazlin is. And she's going to ask that question. So we'll yeah, talk that's about not that. what I'm talking about. Anyways, just don't worry about I, it. I'll I'm, read looking you. At, I'm looking at the chat. No, I'm not. It's not the chat. It's on the live stream at Twitter. I will read you the questions okay, or I'll ahead. text them too. Go ahead. There's nothing yet, but I just. Oh, my, my, my thing shows there's 10 there, nine there. Nine. That's me talking. I see. Okay. All right. Let's, uh, let me there's get. There's 40 people over there. And if they have any questions, um, I can see it. So. All right, let me. I'm going to get Zazlin in here since I read her question. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, Zazlin, you and everyone that comes up to be a speaker, reminder that you have to unmute your phone in the lower left-hand corner. Uh, and there you are, Zazlin. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Uh, yes, Jalin. Hi, Dr. Drew. I've been watching this since you and Adam. I, I did not pronounce your name. Is Jalin? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. I'm named after Zsa, Zsa Gabor. Yes, sir. And and Lynn is somebody's so name in your family. Yeah, yeah. Jalin. Yes. 
All right. What's yes, going on there? That's it. All right. So I just, I just want to know your thoughts on is obesity a disease and how, what is the new Manjaro doing? And has there, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I'm a gastric bypass patient and I'm battling regain. Mm -hmm. So I recently started Manjaro and I don't know what it's doing, but it has completely rearranged my thought process about food. And I, it's really strange to me. Can you help me out with that? Well, I don't know what that is. I'm, how do you spell it? Uh, Manjaro. I think it's M-O-N-J-O-U-R-O. Manjaro. And, and what do you what what is it? Manjur? Manjur? It's not. So it is a once a week injection. Uh -huh. um, it's kind of like Ozempic, Wegovy. It's all of those. Right? I never took any of those. Can you can you read for um, me? Can you read the generic name for me underneath there? I don't think there is a generic because I'm I'm paying a thousand dollars a month for this drug. I don't think there's a generic yet. Wow. No, no, but there is always a chemical name. There's a trade name and a chemical name. What is the chemical okay. name? Like Osembic is not the real name for the drug. Um, okay, so let me take see. a look. Yeah, this is this is it, you're outside of my field of it. It's very interesting, but I want to talk about this. Let's go. So. Okay. So, and I know it's outside of your field, mm -hmm. but the thing that is really com uh, compelling to me is that you know even so weight loss surgery. I'm eight years out. Mm -hmm. And I still get up every single day and I think, what am I going to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Um, now that I'm on this, okay, so this uh, is terzepatide. Okay, hold on. Okay, T-I-R-Z-E-P. Okay, sorry, sorry. Someone on, on Twitch answered this question like 30 seconds ago. That's they already was. Already what the did they say? Oh, they gave me the name. Okay. Yeah, the exact. Yeah, the exact. All right. That. Excellent. Good job, Thank Jen. You guys. All right. So there we go. Um, interesting. So okay, right. Mm. So this is one of these. Essentially, a diabetes medication, and uh, it, it. So it has helped you adjust your appetite. Is that correct? I'm. I'm not. It's not even my appetite. It's my. I'm. It's really weird. You're thinking. It feels like it's messing with my way of thinking in a really positive way. But doesn't I, it make really sense that if it, if it affects your insulin metabolism, it's not directly that, but if it does, that could affect your brain also? Doesn't that make sense? Absolutely, it does. I'm uh -huh. just so, like, I am completely flabbergasted. I mean, this is only my second month. Hmm. I'm paying full price for it. <laughs> But I'm t even when I had gastric bypass, mm -hmm. so I had gastric bypass on television. I'm one of those 600-pound lifers, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. So even though I had gastric bypass, it didn't change my brain. Yeah, right? yeah. It didn't no, it, it doesn't. My... It doesn't, doesn't change your brain. So here are the, here are the, the, the mechanisms in just sort of broad, broad sweeping sort of descriptions. Decrease insulin release. Uh, excess blood sugar uh, is, is expelled. Liver production of gluconeogenesis is suppressed um, and slows down gastric emptying. So your stomach stays fuller over time and the insulin, uh, insulin metabolism is massively important. I, I gotta tell you, I think the insulin story has only started to be told. And I'm not, I'm really not surprised that you're having this kind of a reaction to it. But let me, let me go back to your original question, okay? So is obesity a disease? Which I, one thing I will tell everybody is, 
because a lot of people toss around the notion that this is a disease and that is a disease. You must first define disease. What is any disease? What is a definition that we can use to determine whether anything, anything, whether this pen is a disease or not, or me moving my hand is a disease. There should be something that some construct that tells us something is or is not a disease. So does that sound reasonable? Absolutely, All yes. Right. So disease from my perspective, and I had to do this, of course, in the addiction field long ago. And uh, people, you know, I literally have been in um, <laughs> medical schools and talking to fellows and faculty, and I'll just ask the simple question, define disease for mm -hmm. me. And it is rare that someone can come up with a good comprehensive definition. And even the uh, famous textbook of internal medicine, Harrison's book, has a definition that is extremely weak. Uh, so I came up with this definition. Disease, first of all, there has to be some genetic component and some, okay. and some environmental component. So there's a gene-environment interaction that results in an abnormal state of biochemistry or physiology. We call that pathophysiology. So abnormal biology. By abnormal, I mean something that creates signs and symptoms, things that I can recognize as a clinician, and that the signs and symptoms follow a predictable pattern, and there is a predictable response to us trying to improve that pattern with something called treatment. So it's gene-environment interaction, abnormal biology, reflected in signs and symptoms, pro progresses predictably, it can resolve, it can become chronic, it can kill the organism, and people like me try to do something to it called treatment. So in a sense, uh, diabetes can become something that is a disease, right? Uh, in the sense there's certainly a genetic piece and there's often environmental influences. And here we are talking to you, finding that there may have been some, some biological adjustment that, that the doctor could make with treatment. And so in your case, it kind of does fit that model for, for, a, for a disease. I don't normally think of it that way. But but I could see where somebody could make that case. Okay. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, my best friend is a gastric bypass patient as well. Mm -hmm. So she went from uh, obesity to alcoholism. Very common. And so I, very, very common, I right? See, That's very common. Right, very, yeah. Very common. But yeah. I see what she goes through when she craves alcohol. I mm -hmm. see that. And I... I'm the same way. So I absolutely 100% feel like whatever this drug is doing with the insulin, it is totally rewiring my brain. Well, so, I, I, and, and again, let's, let's, for anybody else out I, there that is interested in this, it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. That's the way treatments are. Right. Treatments have to, you right. know, the right treatment for the right patient is always what's right. difficult. But uh, it's very, very interesting. Jalin, Jalin, right? Jalin. Uh -huh. Jalin, and, and keep me posted. I appreciate you coming in here and uh, talking about it. That's uh, very, very, very interesting. Uh, we got to keep going here. Thank you so much for that call. And now, uh, Melcy, we're going to see what Melcy, I think I'm pronouncing that again correctly. Uh, Hi there, Dr. Drew. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. I have a quick question. I just wanted to ask you if you think that bipolar is something um, that can be overcame, um, overcome, and then also, can you get it on later in life? Both good questions. Uh, it is a highly treatable condition, but the question you're really asking is, can it be thoroughly treated? Can, can you get to the point where it doesn't bother me? 
And the answer is, in my experience, often, often, typically, you can really get it, you know, well under control. Um, can it come on later in life? Yeah, yeah. But but when it comes on later in life, we start looking around for other inciting influences. For instance, a elderly male, let's say a 70-year-old male some suddenly comes in with mania. That's likely to be a thalamic stroke. That's what precipitates the mania in that case. Let's say a 50-year-old female comes in. Uh, I would worry about other things. I'd look around very hard for some other problem, you know, some hormone or who knows what. I mean, a lot of things can, you know, the, the psychiatric, you know, when I, when I worked in psychiatric hospital for all those decades, m one of my jobs was to do a medical evaluation on all the psychiatric patients. And it was astonishing to me when I started out how frequently medical problems precipitated the psychiatric syndrome. So I would look hard for that when people get it later in life though you can get it later in life and people you know don't notice it i also worry about substances triggering stuff like that absolutely okay Does that all make Thank sense you. yeah yes because i was diagnosed with it when i was 18 mm. i got off medication around 22 you know um and then i don't have any symptoms anymore but i'm already in my mid-30s and getting ready to have my first child. So I'm just wondering if that's something that could, you know, well, two, two, two things, two questions. Uh, a, well, one question, one point. A, was there any drug use around the time you uh, had the original problem? Yes. Okay. So that may be the whole story. <laughs> it can easily be the whole story, particularly around that age, number one. But note well that having had that Pregnancy, you're more likely to get mood disorders, you know, post-pregnancy and all that. So some, your doctor should be very, very, very aware and watching for that, okay? And, and okay. by the way, very likely to, if you get it, to respond really well to treatment. That's the other thing, okay? Okay. All right. Awesome. You got you. it. Okay. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, let's see. Craig here wants to come up. Let me get him up. You guys are all asking great questions. I appreciate them all. Uh, Craig, what's going on? He's not quite there yet. Uh, I'm surprised none of you, oh, good, Craig, what's up? I'm surprised none of you have questions about uh, all the stuff hey. we've been talking about here. Yeah, Craig, what's up? Hey, Dr. Drew, good, good to talk to you. I was going to check to see a 14-year-old son, and I know you've mentioned in the past about the HIV uh, for for teenagers, and I just wanted to get your opinion on that. How do I go about that? Uh, do you, Is that still something? You're breaking up. You said you work where? Oh, I'm, yeah, Craig, you're breaking I'm up. Here now. Oh boy. Well, let me, let me do the best okay. I can. Let me do the best I can to answer. I think you're talking about, whoops. Uh, okay. I think you were talking about the HPV vaccine and uh, I'm for teenagers. Right. And uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's what has one of the people are once again, getting weird about that because of all the, the wildness around the uh, MRNA vaccines, but you should not get weird about the HPV vaccine. It prevents cancer. Cancer of the head and neck in males and females, cancer of the anus, cancer of the penis, cancer of the cervix. That people, there should not be, there should almost be no cervical cancer anymore if you get properly vaccinated. Now, the, the Gardasil vaccine protects you against most of the HPV, the human papillomaviruses that cause cancer. Uh, like, you know, Michael Douglas and people like that, we're seeing a marked increase in head and neck cancer, pharyngeal cancer, that kind of thing in men. And that's a sexually transmitted disease as well. And if you smoke and drink and you have HPV, you will get one of these cancers, also esophageal cancers way up there as well. So it, it is something to, I mean, why you wouldn't get this vaccine? The risk reward is clearly in favor of taking it. They're allowing adults to get it now. 
They are. Like uh, under 40 or something. Yeah, which I have advocated for for years and years My friend and years. just had it, but she got a 100-degree fever from well, it. Well, you can have a reaction to it. Look, no, she, no. It's better than getting cancer, right? Oh, my God. And, and let me just say it over and over and over again. No medical in intervention is without risk. N nothing. Even calling me on this show. <laughs> Everything has risk without <laughs> medical intervention. Nothing. I can't say that strongly enough. So to start pointing at, oh, I heard this story and that story. Yes, yes, of course you did. And, and we have data. We have years now of data, particularly on the HPV vaccine. And it's very, very clear. Now, if you don't want it, up to you. I, I'm not a mandate person, right? Not a mandate guy, but my goodness. Uh, and why do they give it at the young age, right? Why do they give it at nine to 13 or nine to 12 year olds? Because that's when it has maximum efficacy across the lifespan. That's when you want to get it. So it's really about doing, and you can get it anywhere, any, why under 40? Uh, I'm not sure WWM is asking why under 40. They just, the, the, you know why? The original, it. because the original studies were done on it, the, the drug company had to pay for the studies and go to the FDA and get the approval. Now, you could find an enlightened physician that might give it to a 50 year old or a 60 year old. Yeah, we can do the FDA. Does, I, I, if you're I single, all of I a sudden, I cannot say this strong enough. <laughs> I, I, I have two, I did this show on Fox I, 11 here in Los I Angeles. I might get it if something happened. You never know, right? I mean, would you, would you get it? Where is she going with this? Like if, I, if like I turn up dead, if, some, if no, I turn up dead, to, uh, Caleb, you she, heard the if first If something happened to me, here. I'm going to put it on the other <laughs> shoe on the other foot. If something happened to you, hmm. Would you <laughs> think about getting it if you wanted to go out and date again? Uh, yeah, I would. I, I'm old enough that it'd really be kind I'm of sketchy. I'm trying to just but, say, I'm not saying I'm going to try to kill you off. I'm just, no, I'm just look, saying you, I might do it if... So, okay, I lost my complete first train thing, of thought. Okay. First thing is, <laughs> is Susan says something like this at least once a week, so I'm getting suspicious. Uh, second thing I, I is... I am too. That's what I'm saying. I missed all the other ones. Are, are you yeah, saying that you, you would consider getting the vaccine later because they didn't have this vaccine before? Like, you're talking about the HIV Correct. We, don't, we never Correct. And, and I, I, you know, here's, here's the way this would go, is that, uh, hey, we didn't have the HPV vaccine. I'm going to go out and date again. Um, right. maybe I want to protect myself against HPV, but HPV takes decades to cause cancer. I don't really have decades left, so the risk reward on the yeah. vaccine starts to change. Yeah, but, yeah. So it's, and you might, it's it may I not talk. be good for you. I, I almost died last night, so, you know, you almost got knocked me off driving that car home from the Lexus dealer. She, she is obfuscating. She's trying to make this seem <laughs> that she was not talking about If I had gotten on the freeway, me, me the, who knows? We think she doth protest too much. Um, but I completely lost my train of thought. What was I You're talking about? You're not good about? with vaccines anyway. I know so. I'm not. Uh, what was I talking about, everybody? Help me, somebody. I had something I wanted Why to Why they give it to people under 40. This is what I wanted to say. So <laughs> I, I was on this Fox 11 show every night for a year during the dark days of COVID. I, I really enjoyed doing it. It was a lot of fun. Alex Michelson and I did it. And, and Alex, two things, the two things that stand out to me most, I'm going to be on their show again tonight, just to sort of a, you know, recap, welcome home. Let's, you know, old, old, old friends night uh, and recap where COVID is now. But two things from that whole experience stand out most vividly. One is, and, I, and Caleb, I was going to get you this video because uh, Gary Smith has it. Maybe you can ask him for it. When the head of the, the, um, one of the heads of the school board here in Los Angeles came in and said he's going to close the school. I kept saying, "Why are you doing this? What? Who told you to do it? The CDC didn't say it. Fauci didn't say. It. Why in the world are you doing this?" And I, to me, that was like an appropriate thing that nobody was asking at the time, and I'm glad I did. It's aged well. 
And the other thing was, I got in a fight with Alex Mer Michelson on the air, air about the FDA, and that's why I bring this up. He kept going, oh, but the FDA says you can't. I said, the FDA doesn't do shit. The FDA does not determine the practice of medicine. It has zero to do with the practice of medicine. There's no licensing board. There's no professional board. Our, I, we have multiple layers of professional organizations that monitor us and state licensing. The FDA has nothing to do with it. The FDA determines what drug companies and and um, manufacturing and product manufacturers bring to market, what how they bring it to market and what they bring it to market for. What we do with it is up to us. Now, we take a certain amount of legal risk when we step outside of what the FDA has approved it for, but we are categorically within our right to use something so-called off-label that isn't on the label by the FDA. Nothing to do with medicine. They don't, they don't do anything when it comes to us and, and our practices. There we go. Striking back. Thank you. So let's... Um, I got lots of calls. I got a lot of things to say. Uh, I'm going to go uh, make sure my life insurance policies are up to date. But while we do that, let's take a quick break here <laughs> that, about our friends. <laughs> the car was but, meant for you last by the way, night. Susan, I should, I, Susan, you should have driven oh, you it mean home. You, you mean you've, you've made sure the brakes were all screwed up? Is that what you're saying? It's like the Full, We have mafia. lots of good uh, stuff from Janus. So, Susan, you want to really quick before you go to I'm that so talk excited. about I'm so excited. I got some new stuff. Read, read the labels. Uh, the this is the deep... Connecting serum. This is stuff you really like, the hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic and oh, salicyclic. That is Susan's favorite. That's I'm going to mix that Whoops. with my skin cream. Uh, and At night. And then the ultra retinol is when the other I put thing that, on. that she's yeah. uh, very hot on. I'm very So excited. these are two things we've not talked about before. and uh, Just came in the mail. I noticed you went to the dermatologist yesterday and it sort of pissed me off because I was thinking I was... They burnt some little things off okay, my face. Because right, yeah. I thought Genuso was going to put an end to all that. No, I didn't buy anything there. I didn't. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I've got all the... All the yeah. goods now. I'm it's all here. so excited, Caleb. All right, let's hear from Genucel. I think we have found the holy grail of skincare. Genucel has absolutely changed, certainly my skincare regimen. I like that vitamin C serum, the under eye creams, skin nourishing primer. Susan loves the eyelash enhancers, uses it on her eyebrows as well. Genucel has everything to make us both feel and look amazing. Best part, the quality of the products. Using pure ingredients like antioxidants, copper peptides, and a proprietary calendula flower base. Genucel knows how to formulate products to perfection without irritation. For Susan, she hates that annoying dry area under nose during allergy season, like right here. She's tried everything, but no matter what, the skin is flaky and dry. Nothing seemed to help until she started using Genucel's Silky Smooth XV Moisturizer. Soaked right into the skin, she was hooked after one use and now loves all of their products as well. I am a snob when it comes to using products on my face. The dermatologist makes a ton of money from me. But when I was introduced to Genucel, I was so happy because it's so affordable and it works great. I was introduced to the Ultra Retinol Cream, which I love at night. All the eye creams are amazing. People notice my skin all the time, and I'm so excited because it's actually working. Right now, you can try Genucel's most popular collection of products and see what I'm talking about for yourself. Go to Genucel.com and enter code DREW for 10% off. That is G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com, and the code is D-R-E-W. The Parallel Economy has empowered us to care for our health, well-being, as well as longevity. Likewise, for us pet parents who now have a place to go when it comes to keeping the family dogs, cats, even horses in the best shape possible. As a dog dad, I'm thrilled to be working with Pet Club 24-7. 
a company founded by two guys who lost dogs to serious conditions, including cancer. Pet Club 24-7 has an incredible array of products, including a line of supplements for humans, such as the Inforce Plus Corollius Versicolor and Inforce Corollius Versicolor with Reishi. My friend and colleague, Christina Ferrari, a cancer survivor herself, swears by it. When I was diagnosed, the doctor in the emergency room told me, you have two years to live. Oh, boy. Along with the stem cell, I took these. I have been in remission for eight years now. For dogs, mush puppy treats are a fan favorite. Rex, oh, boy. Oh, he came right. Oh, there he is. They are also made with the Coriolis Versicolor Mushroom, which supports their immune system, according to hundreds of clinical studies. Here's Kristen Ludlow, National Vice President. That strain does matter. We do have the most potent strain, and we also extract it in a proprietary way. And that's why we've been having such wonderful experiences with these products. Mush puppies are made here in the U.S. There are no fillers. It's not addicting. Your dog can't accidentally overdose. Go to drdrew.com slash petclub247 for a discount off the list price. That is drdrew.com. P-E-T-C-L-U-B-247, Pet Club 247. Thank you to our friends at Genucel. Somebody asked me on Restream here if I've heard of the Gabby Hanna deal, and I'm reading a little bit about yeah. it, and uh, something something is up there. I don't know what that is. And, of course, remind you that we're not allowed to treat people. We're not allowed to take them to the hospital. We're not allowed to do anything when they get sick until they say, I'm going to kill myself or I'm going to kill somebody else, and here's how I'm going to do it. Otherwise, we're not allowed to put get near them and which is true you're, you're 100 percent works out okay right i have some i'm somewhat familiar with what's going on with gabby from the youtube community with and her? everything and, and yeah and, and yeah. it's that's the saddest thing is that somebody needs to step in and help her and yet everyone is pretty much barred you're not allowed to her at all you're, you're not, not allowed, allowed to. to and say that happened to uh what's her name amanda amanda Bynes. she was yep. clearly in serious trouble and you can see how much better she is now after treatment but uh, no, no, we daren't treat those illnesses. We dare not. Uh, those are privileged illnesses. The brain is different than the pancreas. It's not an organ. It's something else. Please stop it. Uh, okay, I'm um, bringing you up. You can blast it all over Twitter. Night Gypsy, I think your name is, if I got it right. Uh, well, at least they'll have an eye on her, so they can send somebody in when she does start talking about hurting herself. Somebody else. Night Gypsy, you're a muted still. There you are. What's up? Um, I kind of have like a dad question. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my dad just found out two days ago he has lung cancer. Mm. He's been he's he's smoked since junior high, basically mm -hmm. high blood pressure his whole life. So my sister lives in Texas, and he doesn't want to tell her. Mm. Yeah, you still there? I'm still there. Yeah, so. She's, she's, uh, she's two years older than I am. I'm almost 50. Um, she is kind of a, I don't know. We call her the Texas tornado. <laughs> she's just, she's just chaos. Mm. But, um, but he's like, I don't want to tell her she's going to want to fly down, you know, and we just don't need to tell her right now. But I, I honestly, we went through this with my mother. She died about four years ago mm -hmm. from ovarian cancer. And she was like, I'm not going to tell Lori. She's going to come down. She just gives me so much stress. Mm. And this really, this really hurt her feelings. Mm. And honestly, I don't want to do all this by myself again. Mm. Yeah, anyway, so so I what kind of tumors your dad have? Do we know? We don't know yet. He hasn't even scheduled an appointment with an oncologist yet. Um, is, so is like it, we is don't it, even. Do you know what stage it is? 
I don't even know. I asked mm. him if, if they staged it because he had a CT with contrast two days ago. And mm. he he's like, I don't know. He didn't even tell me he was going to the hospital to have mm. CT. Mm. So, mm. but um, like as a dad, mm. you, you know, you had cancer. Mm. And so what are your thoughts about withholding so, this type so of So funny you should ask. Susan's, Susan's <laughs> leaning up to the mic. So I did not want, I, I knew I had a benign cancer. Uh, I knew it would not be imminently problematic. My kids were away at school and I didn't want to worry them. So I was just delaying telling them until I had to, frankly. Until, until they finished their first year yeah, of college. Yeah, until they got their first year. Because we didn't want to make them stress out and not do well in school and yeah. worry. And, and it was nothing right. to worry about. But, you know, I, I knew, I, you know, as a clinician know it, but then they, it was be hard to convince It was them. hard to keep a secret, though. Yeah. But uh, they're <laughs> pissed. They're pissed. They don't think I should have done that. So, you Well, know. they're not. They're fine. They They understood. But also you didn't. You didn't tell a lot of people in the business. No, yeah, we kept it quiet. Because but again, because I knew I wasn't going to do it. I didn't do anything for two years in terms of the, the operation stuff. I, I knew, you know, I was going to wait for treatment and things like that. And um, it it's get, very different than we a didn't lung let cancer. it loose to the news. You it's know, very, it, just so you know out. the story, I, Caleb. I don't think you know this. Uh, somebody from some rag called me and said, "We hear that you have terminal cancer, and CNN's going to fire you because of the cancer diagnosis." We're going with the story. <laughs> I was like, what year was that? Kidding me? So we had to tell uh, our kids. <laughs> that was probably two thousand. When did I have the operation? 2002? 12. It was 2012 because the kids went to college in 2011. Yeah, it was 2012 probably. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and so I like right then was like, give me three months to was... we'll pull this together <laughs> and I'll tell you, you know, I'm going to have it. I think I'd already had the operation then, hadn't I? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. You, nobody knew. Yeah. And then, I don't know. It was just, it was so ridiculous. It, it was kind of a, that's a different story though, because you're a celebrity and you didn't want everybody mm. to be, it to be all over the news, but um, especially before we told our kids, but he has a right to decide who he well, wants to tell. Well, that's the, that's the thing. He, he has, absolute right to confidentiality and you really don't want to right. violate that privilege on the other hand it sounds like he's not making a good decision i mean maybe you could get when when you see the oncologist maybe you could get you know, enlist the oncologist the nursing staff there sort of do a little show of force people do respond to multiple people you know with the, when there's a multiple people showing force and showing the same opinion it does become very persuasive to them and and help him understand. And I would specifically focus on what your mom's choice did to your sister. Right. That, that you don't want to put her through that again. She's Does he know that she's resentful and angry about that? I do believe he does. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, he, not be ready yet. Yeah, he may yeah. not be ready yet. Maybe give him a little time. And, and if he has a it. stage one tumor, you might have a 70%, you know, survival rate, you know, the first five years. I mean, it may not be an imminent thing. It, 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 it is bad if it gets out, right? You, you're aware, right? right. This is right. not good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. So, oh, All I'm right. so sorry you have to go through this. I know. Well, thanks. You're also a cancer survivor? I am. Breast cancer? I or had, just paying the uh, odds? Thyroid. Thyroid cancer. Thyroid cancer. Yeah. yeah. And every, yeah. everything went well with that? Everything went fabulous with it. I just swallowed a radiation pill and they took it out and yeah. that's that. So you had yeah. uh, papillary carcinoma of the thyroid? Is that what you want? Do you remember yes. which cell type? Yeah. That's the one that things go very, very well. Sometimes they don't even do that. Sometimes they just put you on thyroid hormone and, and watch it for a while. So that's a good one. So there are good cancers yeah. and there are bad cancers. But even the bad <laughs> ones... Uh, we do remarkably well with these days. Just remarkable. I mean, I, I, you know, when I was in training, the idea of being an oncologist was just 
ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> it seemed insane decision. Now it's terribly, terribly exciting. Um, cause you can really do something about most of them. Ryan, you're coming up here, coming up in May, Ryan. Hey there. Hey Ryan. Or, hey, Dr. Drew. Hey, Thank Ryan. you so much. You bet. I started listening to you in the nineties on love line when I was 12 and I just have so much gratitude for I hope that helped your pers- <laughs> It was so helpful. Okay, good. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, your persistent recommendation and encouragement to addicts to get help and to turn to 12-step programs, uh, it didn't keep me away from substances, but the day that I knew that I needed help, I knew where to go. Good. And I just have so much gratitude for the stories that you share. Well, thank and, you. I, and it's really it's really yeah. funny. When I first started involved in the field, I thought I was going to be able to prevent addiction. I thought, I thought education <laughs> would prevent. I learned very quickly, no, <laughs> we don't know how to do that yet. We just don't know how to do it. But, but, your, but your experience of, you know, jumping in when the time came is, is one I, I really was what I'm aiming for. So thank, thank you for saying so. Yeah, I'm five years sober, and thanks so Great. much. Great, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Good job. That's it? Well, that was it, I guess. You bet. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, no, do I have yeah, something else thanks, to ask? Dr. That was it? Nope, that's it. All that's right. It. Well, Just gratitude, man. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate God that. God bless you. You see how ra- gratitude is a really, really healthy thing. Yeah, but you're ra- like, that's it? You don't well, you Ryan, love me? Ryan, <laughs> I know you don't want to attack me for something. Ra- Ryan will help. Ryan expressing that gratitude, gratitude helps him stay sober today. And the reason it does so is because it's a healthy move. It's a very healthy thing to express gratitude uh, and to think about gratitude and to to focus on gratitude. So uh, I, I just I think that's just a great example of what people are in a healthy space will do. Hey, Josh. Hey, Dr. Drew. How's it going? Good. What's happening? Not much. So I've been, you know, listening to you about the COVID stuff. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking the psychology, but I want to think about your psychology a little bit because mm-hmm. the psychology at the beginning for you is kind of like the psychology you have now. I mean, in the beginning, you were saying, you know, let's just see and, and look look for the science and all the things that the same things that you're saying now. Yeah. Um, but it seems vastly different. Mm. The the time when when we first heard about it to now, I mean, no one knew that it was gonna turn in um to something like this. I, I at least I did. I thought maybe okay, would well, they close it down mm-hmm. and you know, we'll be back and hopefully maybe a month or something. I mean, maybe I was crazy to think that, but, um, I just want to see if, you know, like you have anxiety, we all have anxiety, but when you first heard about it, Mm. you know, what was, what did you, were you scared personally? No, I've I've never, I've never been scared of this thing. Never. And fear did not in any, never. And, and, And when I was sick with it, as I've said repeatedly, the most the most confusing question I got from people was, "Were you scared?" It has a one percent fatality rate. When when I tell a patient they have a ninety nine percent chance of survival, I am telling them they are going to survive. That's what that means statistically. You're not going to win the lottery. You're not going to be that one percent. It's very unusual. So that that just the data itself. Now, I was very concerned about my patients because they're elderly, a lot of them are elderly, and I do felt they needed focus protection. But uh, fear was never something I had. And so when I saw the, the attempts at, at trying to create panic, create fear, I was acutely aware of it. And it, it struck me as disgusting because it was going to harm. The panic never makes things better. 
Now, right. what, what's, what's different from my perspective now, amongst other things, is I didn't know that that was a policy. So I've learned from Dr. McCullough that that was an, a conscious policy to try to subdue people into sub submitting to, to mitigating everything till we get to a what vaccine. What do you mean by it's a policy? Whose policy? Uh, Caleb, you guys remember what what uh, or Susan, what Peter McCullough? He had he had emails from the CDC, as I recall, where they were specifically saying this is what we're going to do, and Dr. Burks as well. And again, don't quote me on this because I'm trying to remember what he told us. But he's you can re-listen to the that particular streaming show. But he was explicit that he had the actual documentation. Of what and and Alex Berenson told me that they were actually using behaviorists, the advice of behaviorists on how to do that, how to make it as fear provoking as possible, which makes sense to me. So, oh, so they were trying to uh, scare us as as much as possible to try to get us to comply with an unpleasant policy until we could get a vaccine. So again, remember I've been saying vaccine neuralis, get to the vaccine. Right. Okay, so, so this is what I've recently, hang on, much, so I've recently learned sorry. this. I don't know it to be factually true, but this is something that has been, you know, sort of part of what I've learned by interviewing people that have, you know, been silenced and maybe they're not true, but it certainly seemed like if they were not trying to do it, they did it. And by the way, the, the CDC and the public health world was was not alone in this. The, the 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 part that made me upset was the press. I remember I sat on a show called Daily Blast Live, right as the thing broke out, and I just kept saying, "Shut up! The press has no business talking about this. Shut up! Listen to Fauci. Listen to the CDC. Everybody else, shut up! It's going to be you're going to make things worse. Shut up!" I kept saying that. Now, right, because that was my original sort of position. Um. Somebody brought up this morning that I had veins bulging, and I was, I was, uh, you know, and I said, "Yeah, I've got a, I have a, I know, look at I have a, I have a vein, an anomaly you here, are a lifter, right? Yeah, yes, and so I've got a, an abnormality as my internal jugular. It was comes really bulging my, back com then. Though. Comes across my clavicle, and uh, I accused the guy <laughs> of being ableist for for a t for having d the temerity to point that out. How dare he? That's my anatomical <laughs> abnormality as an ableist bastard. Anyway, the um, we've had the, other nurses and stuff say that. I know they're now worried. everybody's they, staring at worried. your neck. We understand when you have congestive heart failure, it's your internal jugular, not your external jugular. You're looking at the external jugular can can expand for lots of reasons. So so um, where was I? So talking about uh, shit. So so they increased the fear to yeah. try to get everyone yes. to do what they wanted them to do. Right, and but then but the my, press my did it. The is, press did it because they wanted eyes. They 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 got addicted. Right, to the, but how the much eyes. of that is good? How much of that is good, and how much of that is bad? Because if you look at, and I did yesterday, I looked at the numbers. Um, if there was no lockdown, mm. and there, you know, orders of magnitude uh, more than uh, there would be if there was a. There was a lockdown. Just look at look at look at look at Florida. Look at part of that fear is good. Look at Florida versus California. Just look at one was locked down, one was not locked down. Just look at that data. That's all you got to look and, at. And and you're saying that. And Florida, uh, the by the way, isn't good. Florida had Florida has a lot more old people, and they still ended up exactly the same as California. Wide okay, open. Okay, so I understand. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, wide open. And California, complete lockdown, still under emergency policies. Same outcome. Same outcome. But if you were, if you were back, 
uh, in the beginning, let's say we have another pandemic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is this is the hypothetical that's sort of stupid, but yep. you have another pandemic and, uh, you know, they've got another agent coming out of mm-hmm. God knows where, Africa mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, everyone has to lock down again. What What's going to go on so, in your so, head? What's going to go on in general? Well, first of all, if it's a, if it's a illness that doesn't affect young people, I mean, I'm worried about polio. I am more worried about polio right now than I was about COVID because COVID, polio kills, destroys young people's lives. And in terms of years of life lost, it's a much, you have to, it's not just death, it's also years of life lost, much more serious. Now, fortunately, most people are, are vaccinated, so it probably is not going to break out. But there are parts of this country they only have 60% vaccine rates you, in, for polio. You have to get above 85% to prevent an outbreak. So I'm very, very, very concerned about that. In terms of how, let so first of all, A, is it something with a 1% fatality rate or a 50% fatality rate? If, if COVID had a 50% fatality rate, I would have felt very differently about it. But at a 1%— So polio can kill you. Polio kills. Well, it destroy it destroys your ner- central nervous system. Not not everybody, yeah, but yeah. it can do that. It destroys right. your life. It destroys your life. So so anyway, and, Can't it's, and it's children it can... and it's children that it destroys. Yeah, it's so awful. It, you know, so it's a whole. I mean, like I said, look, I brought. If you want to know what's out there, I, I brought. Bo- I intentionally bought these books. This is a textbook of infectious disease of childhood. This is just just children's child infectious diseases. Small print. There, there are small print. There are thousands of pages in this book of all the things that can happen to children. This is how the, do you compare it to this AIDS, is the, Drew? This is the smallest. This is the smallest book I could find on infectious diseases in oh. adults. These things are out there all over the place all the time. They are very, very serious. I had now, to carry it from the mailbox. It's different than a pandemic, right, which is you know gets distributed everywhere. And it's a pandemic with a high, high fatality rate. I was worried about AIDS at the time because probably I was affected by the, you know, I was treating these people. And again, look at the difference. 1% fatality rate versus 100% fatality rate. AIDS had a 100% fatality rate, and it was reaching pandemic proportions, and it was looking like it was going to break into the general community because we had that in Africa. 100% fatality versus 1%. Or if you even want to say 15% in the elderly, whatever whatever number you wanted to use, that is a massive difference between 100% and 15%. There was a lot of fear. There was a lot of fear during the AIDS thing because yes. I was young then and yep. you were on Loveline and yep. I was listening yep. and I was terrified of sex. Yep. I was so scared of sex, yep. you know, and, when I was going, I, I hadn't think, had sex yet. I hadn't had sex yet. So yep. I was thinking, this is what happens when you have sex. Yeah, right. That's right. Already <laughs> there's, you know, already there's anxiety. Then there's just yeah. like, forget it. You know, I, yeah. you know so I would, so, I, so in terms of the reexamination of that, I would argue we use too much fear. And and it was Dr. Fauci again. Then he was beating on us back then. He was he was great. He was a great leader back then. It's why I've really I I've admired him my entire career. It's why when right. this particular one started, I kept saying, "Listen to Fauci." He's been saying, by the way, lately he didn't ask to have anything locked down or schools closed. He did not. He never said that. So somebody like Fauci again needs to come in and go, "Hey, this is very serious, but here's what I want you to do." Not run to the other side of the boat the way the states did all of a sudden. The states, the school boards, they closed everything down. Not the CDC. There were, and like I said, some states were completely closed down. Some states were completely open. That's insanity. That's insanity. And so, 
Listen to the reason voices. Like the tweet I put out, a tweet from from, from something I pointed out in February of 2020 came out this morning. No, no I'll read it because I thought it was uh, appropriate. I, oh, shoot, where am I? Uh, here is so the, if you want someone to listen to you, scare the hell out of them, basically. Is no, what no, no. What you do, so, so because we were... During the AIDS epidemic, we realized there was too much fear going on, and we and, and us in a black in a white coat in a box, educating people. We thought we could educate people to change their behavior. Turns out that didn't work. What worked was creating a relatable source, somebody who had AIDS that could tell their story, somebody somebody uh, younger people could relate to. Magic Johnson, let, right? Let them tell their story, how it happened, what's been happening to them. People, young people zoom right into that. Use a little humor, use some music, somebody like me to sort of explicate alongside of it. We called this Loveline. That's where Loveline came from. And that's how you change behavior, it turns out. It's why, so teen, you, it's why think, teen Mom, I mean, hang on, don't interrupt me, Josh. Sorry, and it's why it's sorry. why Teen Mom was worked. It's why I jumped at that show, because I knew that would lower teen pregnancy. It did. There have been two academic studies now that showed that it clearly did. Josh, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, but we had to mobilize so many people to stop. There's the NCAA basketball tournament. So that's where my mind goes with this. Mm. They canceled that tournament, uh, you know, the April, the March madness, yeah, right? Yeah. So this was going to go on in every city in the country, packed, you know, stadiums, and they completely closed that down. I was pissed. Mm. Okay. I didn't want I them know, to shut you. I get it. Why is, why is Susan laughing, by the it's, way? Because you're no, saying it's, 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 it's true. Okay. Yeah, it's such a, okay. Such a, yeah, such a, yeah, no, history. I was pissed. I was pissed off. Yeah, so I get you. For me, you know, and a lot of people, you know, the, the poor college students, that's their whole, you yeah. know, college existence. Yep. And that they're not able to do what they want to do. And I was upset. So the thing with me is, if you had to mobilize people, how are you going to get these two surfer dudes to mobilize the whole country? You know, the guys who are like, you know, uh, Chad, whatever Chad. those guys. Yeah, yeah. Chad, Chad and goes, JT. Yeah. How, how is Chad and JT going to shut down the NCAA tournament with their, so, so, with their you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so someone had to shut it down, So, so I think. Well, so Chad and JT, he's, what Josh is referring to is this, this couple of guys that we've had on the show before who did some really clever uh, health messaging that really was effective. It, it made you really think um, it softened people's resistance to things like masks at the time. And... Uh, it made people think about it in terms of shutting down. Yeah, I have no problem with large group gatherings being shut down for a while. I know this particular one upset you. I wouldn't have been mad the about that. The hospitals would have been overwhelmed. Mm, oh my I don't God. know. I maybe. I don't you know. know. I guess. Yeah. I, yeah. No, the uh, teenagers playing basketball. They're going to yeah. be fine. They'll get over it in five yeah, days. Well, who knows? I, the point is, I would have been fine. Locking, you know, preventing large gatherings has been a policy of the CDC for a long time. When they That's, opened it up again, though, Nobody got sick. Right. That that should tell you something, right? And we You know, I didn't like I didn't like the lockdown. So I just want to be clear. I mean, no, Susan I was laughing, but I didn't no, like I, was it. At I the really basketball didn't like it. She's it's... laughing at your your passion for the basketball. That's <laughs> you all. Really, so, you yeah. really sounded passionate. Yeah, it yeah. just made me laugh. Sorry. And, and so look, I, I appreciate the comment and I appreciate the questioning. And so uh, let, let me just sort of finish my thoughts about how I was then. I I, I made errors and I was too hubristic. Uh, those are those are two lessons I learned. A is to always be circumspect about medical things. You know, just don't don't be too certain about anything. Don't say always or never in medicine. It's just something we're trained to not do, and I should adhere to that. But I was so upset by the panic porn, the panic induction. It was just so 
this it's so upsetting to me and I knew it would have terrible adverse effects on everybody and it just it just got me and there was no reason for it and it was the it's the opposite I mean, imagine if Winston Churchill during the uh, during the bombing of London just every night went, he goes, no hope no hope shelter in place no hope mass deaths I, I, that does not that is not leadership that is the opposite of leadership that's not how people get through difficult things and and really focused clever properly managed messaging that's the way you do it. And uh, I, I just was so upset. As I you know, said I, before, people, history's not going to look kindly at this. Yeah, it's, true. Caleb, we're looking back like, oh, shit. Caleb, what's that? Yeah, no, I, I, I think that a, another good point here is like you were talking about polio a second ago. Well, because of mm -hmm. the enormous overreaction that was made over COVID, people are now looking at that mm -hmm. and thinking, what else is the government overreacting about? And people are not getting their polio right. vaccines. Like stuff well, that's already been proven the way, for decades, they're not t thinking is yeah, safe. Well, there's a lot of more vaccine questions. resistance. There's more vaccine resistance generally. And now people are blaming the Naomi Wolf's of the world for inflaming that. I, I don't believe it. I, I like you, Kayla, believe that not pulling the curtain back is how you get resistance, not exactly. putting it all out there for people's. Yeah. You've been in that camp. You understand what, oh, yeah. what that is. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a serious thing. Uh, so yeah. So I, it was, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting upset about stuff. And so I'm having trouble following my train of thought a little bit on some of these issues. We, we should get that all right, let me just get some some callers up here. This is yeah. change the subject. Yeah, Thank I, you, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. Oh, so my hubristicness and you know being being more humble in my approach to things. But I, I know I was going to say, which was that people who had just learned to pronounce things like hydroxychloroquine the day before, the next day had had massive opinions about something they'd never heard of, they'd never used, they have no clinical experience with, they don't know what they're talking about. That was deep, not just deeply disturbing, but insulting to me. Uh, okay, let's have Elle, Elle come up here. She's been asking for a while. Uh, Elle, what's going on? Hi, um, I'm calling from, I'm listening from, from London. Mm. Um, well, England. Um, I recently got out of a cult and mm. I was wondering if you could give me any ideas of what types of therapy would be beneficial. Gosh, we have, uh, Susan, does our friend have access to resources? John is his name, right? Uh, the, we have a guy that does cult support, reprogramming. It's very confusing. I, I, I know how that gets. You really, you're, uh, you, you, um, Lori, Lori, uh, Lori Williams. Lori Williams. Yeah. Her her uh, cousin. Oh God, Hoyt. Yeah. Hoyt Richards. Hoyt Richards. There's a guy named Hoyt Richards. Oh Let's God, look him up online. See if he has any online resources that uh, does a lot of Hoyt. Is it Richards? Yeah. Hoyt. Uh, okay. Sorry that I'm taking the time do to do that? this, but I think it's important. H O Y T. There he is. Uh, ba ba ba. He's got a lot of stuff here. He's got a. He has a uh, Instagram at Hoyt R I C H. So it's H O Y T R I C H. Maybe you could DM him there. He's very keen on helping people uh, post, get out of cults, and My survive. My phone just froze. Hold, so Your phone froze. Yeah, I, I was gonna see if I have a cell. Uh, well, I think DM on on. on uh, yeah. Oh, you're gonna ask him. I say okay. So we're gonna ask him how best to get in touch with him, but he'd be a great sort of resource for you. Elle. Is that okay? Yeah, that's perfect. Thank okay, because so we know you know there's a lot of shame and guilt and confusion, and you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in those first even couple of years after you get out. What, what kind of cult was it? I'm sure people will be curious. 
I was raised Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's it's extra it's extra difficult extra difficult because you you leave behind huge communities and family and just oh my god it's so difficult so so you need support I mean the main thing let me just sort of say the main thing is support you need people close to you people can relate to you people can uh, attune to you and and get helps help literally like I feel like like pushing you holding you up as you go through this process because it's extremely difficult it's literally like starting your life over again. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, Cara or Sarah? Sarah, I guess it is. Sarah, I think that is. Sarah. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, my my audio cut out for a second while I was connecting. Not a problem. Uh, this is so cool. It's just like um, transporting back to you know my 20s when I used to watch you on MTV. Crazy. Um, <laughs> it is. I mean, what are we like in 2002 or what? Um. Uh, <laughs> thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I, I I don't want to necessarily revert back, but you were talking with the other gentleman um, who kept interrupting you about the pandemic. Mm. But um, you did, and, and I'm saying this respectfully, you did have to walk back some of your comments that you made. Yes. Um, today... I wouldn't necessarily walk back those comments. Yes. Um, however, back then, tensions were so high and it was so politicized that you had to. Well, um, let me just also no- say there were threats being made on family members and cr- super yes. crazy stuff. And and here's the deal. I have no problem looking at that and going, yeah, I got I got some stuff wrong. Like everybody did. It was impossible to get it all right. Uh, and it's interesting, this tweet I was trying to bring up from this morning, somebody brought up a tweet from January, February 2020, where I said, look, this thing is generally going to be mild for most people, which was not accurate. It's going to be mild to moderate for most people. So I said, very mild. That was a mistake. Mild to moderate for most people. And don't panic. Don't let them panic you. And let's just take care of this the way we always do. Let the medical system operate. That tweet aged pretty well. That was from from February of 2020, and that's that was my position. Now I got a little hubristic because I was fighting this this panic, this this disgusting panic porn, and so I, I you know I overstated my position and got some stuff wrong as a result. But my general position was exactly what that tweet was. Listen to the CDC. Listen to Fauci. I said at the end of the end of every statement I made, I, at that point, I said, "Let Dr. Fauci be your north star." Now, of course, all the things that got you know sort of circulated about me and were uh, sort of viral, they lived that part out because Fauci was their guy, particularly at that time, and he was my guy too. And uh, you know, things went a little sideways for everybody. <laughs> but I was no problem. I have no problem apologizing for the part I got wrong. There it is. It will spread. It will be very mild in the vast majority. Stop the panic. Respond systematically as we know how to do. There it was. That's what I said. And that and that was somehow you, sacrilege. <laughs> and that's still. Do accurate. you regret walking it back mm-hmm. now? Because I, I, I it don't. was accurate. I, I don't because and there I were, know that you had to. No, I had to because of safety issues. But but I, but I did get some right. things wrong. I did, and I don't mind calling that out where I get stuff wrong. It's not humiliating to me. It's like that's how I learn. I get some stuff wrong. The mistake was being so again certain, you know, hubristic, and you know that that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. That was a mistake too. 
Uh, but but it's this weird. I don't think I would apologize today, mostly because I've learned that this apology world has become a problem. That that people are demanding apologies that sort of don't deserve apologies and they don't need apologies. And you know, people get stuff wrong not because they lied, not because they want to hurt you, just they got something wrong, and that that doesn't require an apology. So I'm not sure I would apologize today, not because I wouldn't be willing to acknowledge what I got wrong. But I just think this apology tours that people go on. Well, now everybody's I, apologizing. I, I, in the I old day, nobody apologized. I think that's getting to be a problem in itself. <laughs> you started it, Drew. Yeah. No. I so again. <laughs> I, I don't mind saying I'm. Maybe I would. Maybe to, before I do it today, it's it's Sarah. Sarah, is that it? Sarah. It's Sarah. Sarah. Yeah. The problem, though. Yeah. That I that I'm seeing. Go ahead. Um, is that if we do have, and we will. We will have another pandemic mm -hmm. of some kind, mm -hmm. probably in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. When this happens again, because... And Uh-oh. Oh, shoot. That's my phone. Sorry. Hold on. Hold on. My mistake. Finish that thought. ...and politicized. Yes. And it did become an, a political issue. Yes. It still is. Yes. Um, do you believe that that in the next pandemic, that it'll be the same or will people be so exhausted that it'll be <laughs> as though, because I'm exhausted yeah. and, and I think everybody else, I don't know if I could do another lockdown. So how do you think it would go again? Would you be more vocal and not walk back? It's, I, yeah, I, I feel I disappointed that you walked back. Yeah. Okay. I wish you, I know that you had to, I wish you wouldn't have. I accept that. In my opinion. I get it. But I know you had to. Well, I, I had the, to. The climate. I, the yeah, climate. I had to, I, I you know, it, there was a lot that went into that. I didn't have to, I suppose, but, but I, I wanted to set it straight. You know, people are, you know, saying you got something wrong. Okay, I got something wrong. But, but I did not know what these apology tours would become. The, the apology, unfortunately, is making the mob worse. It's making them more bloodthirsty. And the bloodthirstiness that we are seeing is what's concerning me more than anything else. So on one hand, there's the bloodthirstiness of mobs, which is a very dangerous thing. Read any anthropology you want to on the topic, whether it's Le Bon or whoever, or talk about uh, the uh, Belgian uh, doctor who talks about the mass formation psychosis. It's all the same phenomenon. Feeding it rather than containing it makes it worse. It has to be hit. It has to be stopped. Uh, and apologies feed it. I, I agree with you on that. I don't have any principled objection to apologies, but the way it's going now, I, I agree with you that it needs to be sort of pushed back rather than rather than fed. Now, in terms of locking down and whatnot, yeah, people. Sh before we get to the next pandemic, my deepest cons my deepest um, wish is that we have legislation that puts limits on public health authority. They can't have so much authority that they can do things just because they want to. There's got to be some sort of procedural justification or a, a, you know somebody that can address and talk about it and decide what the right things to do. Not just one person or a couple people just making every decision by fiat. That, that's insane. And we, that is in our constitution, and we didn't. I did not know that, and that needs to be contained. That's how we got into this trouble. So, if there were going to be something like a lockdown, <laughs> we, we would have to first have people step forward and go. Well, we've learned that lockdowns don't work with respiratory viruses. They don't. California and Florida have the same outcome. They didn't. It didn't work. And that's something we should be discussing before anybody talks about another lockdown. Why we would lock things down again would have to be. I, 
somebody said something to me. Communism. Clifton Duncan said <laughs> to me on Tuesday, he said, you know, we were we were asked to give up everything that made life worthwhile. And I thought, boy, that is a profound and accurate statement. And before we give up everything that makes life meaningful again, they have to convince us why and what the data is and why they would do something with absolutely zero science behind it. Six feet distancing, zero science. Lockdown, zero science. All these things were not, you will not find any of those terms in this textbook I'm holding up on infectious diseases. It's not something that existed and it didn't work. And I understand everybody was in a panic and everybody was trying to figure things out. They made mistakes. Let's learn from them. Sierra, is that it? Yes, thank you. I just want um, to say one though. more comment and mm. thank you and, and then be done. But um, thank you so much for, you know, for being such an iconic part of um, Gen X. And um, I can tell you that my my kids have recently discovered you and podcasts and hmm. YouTube and oh. um, and my millennial children who have asked me, have you ever heard of Doctor True? Yes. yes. <laughs> um, so like, so, so they they are over at your mom's house, which is which is a very different world. <laughs> I don't want you to know what that yeah, is. Yeah, you you're not supposed to know about that. But 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 it but it but it is a it is an attempt to incarnate the the needs that Loveline met back then to incarnate it now to reincarnate it in something that's helpful now. That's the sort of goal of that. So I think I think we're getting well. There. Yes. Yeah. It was so taboo when we were when it's I very was different. growing up. Very different. And I, it's I, very different yeah, now. Yeah, it's very different now. They got access and to everything, and they're still confused. Everything. They're still confused. <laughs> exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So, so thank you very much. You bet. Um, Thanks for the call. I really enjoyed this. There's a lot thank more you. poop Appreciate humor it. now, though. Uh, <laughs> you know what that is, Susan? That's just because there's so many males over there at your mom's house. Oh, I know. It's I always know. been here. You just didn't know. All it. our friends over at uh, YouTube can probably raise their hand right now. Okay. So a lot of questions here a lot of people have their hands up my goodness i'm so I, sorry i realize like the get, facebook oh. is mostly women and then the oh my goodness what's the matter we've never had so many hands up before uh and i don't know what to do about it so let me bring yeah, leopold in we can go a little longer. I, I will go longer but i'm gonna try to get to some of you guys leopold what's happening my friend let's get him up here oh, leopold you're muted you know better. Hey, Dr. Drew. Hey, buddy. Hey, I know. <laughs> What's going on? Hey, hey, man. So got a question regarding long COVID. Now, mm -hmm. this is, you know, you, you you and I had COVID around the same time. We mm -hmm. had the horrible Delta variant. Yep. And uh, and I think we both suffered long COVID yep. and different symptoms. Yep. One, one of the things I had was just incredible uh, pain in all my joints, mm -hmm. I remember. I remember and that, yeah. What it, yeah, and one of the marker or two of the markers that I had uh, tested were the uh, CRP, the C-reactive protein, mm -hmm. and the sed sedimentation rate of I was it the white blood cells or red blood cells. So, so it, how how these, high was your sed rate? Do you know? Uh, I know that it was percentage wise because I don't remember the number, but it was something like maybe 50% higher than what the normal range was. Okay, so it was like 20, C 20 or 25, something like that. Uh, right, okay. right. And then the and CRP? Then the CRP was way much, it was like, I think normal was somewhere around okay. 10. 
and I was like 80 okay. or something. So, so, so it was CRP, really, really I think yeah. of as a yeah. surrogate marker for endothelial inflammation, lining of the artery okay. inflammation. And we know okay. that for sure COVID does that, for sure. So that doesn't mm -hmm. surprise me that you had that. The fact that you had joint symptoms... Yes. Was it small joints, large joints, all joints, symmetrical it, joints? All, all, uh, it was all joints. Yeah, symmetrically, so or would it would it fly around? It, it, no, it was everywhere at all times. Mm. So it was you know ankles, knees, uh, elbows. And did they know, swell hips, or get hot? They swell or get hot? Uh, they weren't hot, but mm. they uh, they definitely were. Like my knees looked like grapefruits and the whole thing. Uh, but this is where my question's going, though. Um, so I had, I, I went through a radical shift in my dietary habits. So mm -hmm. I, and I, I think I alluded to that a couple of months ago mm -hmm. and I, I've kept with it, which is, you know, going all plant-based. And what's interesting is all those numbers went down, all the CRP went down, the sedimentation rate went down. So, but here's the issue. Um, the joint pain is starting to come back and mm -hmm. I'm curious if the only thing that I changed was my dietary habits mm. and I've been, I've been, uh, you know, really uh, rigorous and really steadfast with uh, keeping uh, it plant-based. Mm. If that's the only thing that's changed, is it possible? And, and again, this is, you know, you know, this, uh, if you could put on your viro virology hat here, is it possible that there's some legacy virus somewhere that, got tampered down perhaps, you know, and I'm talking long COVID yeah, yeah. again, um, and for it to kind of uh, rear its ugly head again. So that's kind of Yes, I mean, you're asking something sort of impossible. Have you talked to okay. Dr. Yo or any of his group about this? Uh, you know, I, I put in a couple emails to him okay. a while back, but, uh, you know, I know he's overwhelmed with so, a lot of things. So, yeah. So, there is definitely these cytokine markers that are elevated. So there's some sort of inflammatory activation. Uh, it definitely has something to do with the relationship between the platelets and the lining of the arteries. And there's some sort of, you know, the, there's different cytokines that have been implicated. Those That group was looking in the central nervous system and they found VEGF activation and they found classical monocytes had spike proteins left behind so and those cells were not dying the way they should and they were being left behind and doing something so to your question could okay. something be reactivated those those and they were I think they were non-classical monocytes if I remember right uh that were sort of persisting and should have been dying might be doing something and whatever that mechanism is of spike protein interfering the normal life cycle of a cell maybe leaving behind more inflammatory cells or activating inflammatory cells this is very hand-waving stuff, right? Uh, sure, sure, of and, and your question is, could it somehow be some something in the genome that's activated, some viral particle, you know, ready to be start activated? Yeah, of course it could. We just don't yeah. have evidence of that yet. Okay. And, and my bigger sure. fear is, this is sort of even weirder, is that it activated rheumatic disease somehow in you. Now, now... Yes. Now, the fact that you, I really believe insulin is a part of this story. You and I have kind of talked about that before, that yes. the inflammatory yes. endothelial inflammation is affected by insulin metabolism and hyperinsulinemia yes. and insulin resistant. So I, when you first told me you did this, I thought, eh, it's, it's, I bet it's insulin. I bet that's the story. So maybe try, you know, 
smaller frequent meals, really low on the carbs, or you know, so, somehow where you can kind of see if you can regulate insulin even more by flattening out the, okay. the and see if that makes any difference. Okay. Yeah, and, and that would make a lot of sense. You know, I, I don't know if, if you recall, but um, the um, COVID actually activated uh, diabetes. I know. I was. I remember. Uh, yeah, I, I went up to like eleven point one in my A one C, and I was Crazy. urinating sugar. Crazy. Yeah. yeah no. And and I I was prior to that I was like five point eight or so with my A one C. So so it went something, from five point eight to something 11, going 11. on there. Yeah. Something going on. Already. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah. interesting. I'm glad you're better. You're all well, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. No, no. Things are better. But it, the, the thing that's concerning me is I was viewing this whole plant-based as kind of a panacea, a cure-all for, you know, all my ills. Let me just say, for not, nothing is a cure-all for nothing. There's nothing. Just, just <laughs> yeah. stop it. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but, but here's something okay. I want to say. I, I was being hopeful. Here's yeah. something I want to yeah. say. Well, you've done something very good. Yeah. It's, not, it's not that you haven't done something worthwhile. Yeah. You've done something very worthwhile. But, but here's something that I, I'm glad you brought this up. I am sick and tired of people panicking about long COVID. And uh, and here's another, okay. this is another panic porn that I'm upset about, which okay. is that people are like, don't you know there's organ damage and there's long COVID and you, you're saying this thing's endemic and it can just, you're just going to say people are going to get sick and get organ damage and, and get long COVID. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't wish it on anybody. I don't want it to be this way, but the way it is. But behind that panic is a complete an utter lack of confidence in the human's body ability to heal. The body heals. You injure it, it heals. And it heals from COVID just like every other injury. Nobody, step, nobody points that out. Here's Leopold who had severe COVID and severe long COVID, and he healed. He helped himself heal. There are things you can do to help yourself, but the body heals unless you kill it. The, we we can now we can get to a chronic illness state. There is such a thing that seems not really to happen. People eventually heal from this thing. So all this, oh my God, it's gonna. How can we accept that? Behind that is a complete lack of acknowledgement of how a human body is able to heal itself. And, I, and I'm sort of tired of it. I'm really tired of it. bodies heal. They get better. Now, if they don't die and they don't get chronically ill and that kind of thing, and we as doctors, you know, we sort of, we suppress bacterial growth so the body can attack the bacteria and clear it out on its own. And, you know, I don't know where we've lost track of the fact that bodies heal. They do. And we're so used to treating everything that, that people aren't sort of, they've forgotten about or have no faith in a, a human body ability to heal. So I want to point that out and point it out with, 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 you know, in strong terms. Yes, Leopold? Absolutely. I'm no, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I, I was waiting for Susan to, uh, or, Do a strikes uh, back. Caleb to hit. Yeah. 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 Where's the strikes back, Susan? What are you doing? You're yeah, still talking. For that. She's talking to, there it is. She's talking to Hoyt Richards. Ah, I love it. Okay. Right. You're talking to. He's so handsome. Yeah. There it is. See, she's talking to Hoyt. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm ordering dinner. Caleb, Caleb, did you get, that was another piece of evidence I want you to push aside when I show up dead somewhere. Just make sure you I'm, caught that. So I'm saving a list. I'm going with a guy who came from the cult. <laughs> he is really cute, though. Put put that on a loop. He and, is really cute. Yep. No, keeps, I'm ordering your keeps, dinner. What kind of hamburger do you want? Just don't eat it, Drew. Lane. Yeah, just easy, easy. Why? Why? Oh, she's gonna. Oh, she's gonna be the thing. Oh, you're right. Again, you got all the evidence here. Just lay it all out. Okay. Here's what. I, here's what I'm gonna do. Let me uh, look. 
Uh, Carolyn points out that there's long COVID from vaccine as well. Absolutely true. Some of the more serious, the worst, some of the worst long COVID I've seen has been from the vaccine. Absolutely true. Uh, let me go back through the restream. To, uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, Susan, when is your next uh, psychic show coming? People are asking. They want to call it the Ghostbuster show. <laughs> uh, how's pharma company make money? Calling yeah, out right. with Susan Pinsky. Uh, yes. Thank you, uh, Tom Cigars, for pointing out that we have. And Tom Cigar has been very instrumental in me uh, changing my attitude towards trolls. He just is very dismissive. Like, don't even, don't, don't even, don't even interact with them. It feeds them. It feeds them. And I, I believe him. Uh, give me a second to look through some of this stuff. Uh, okay. And then over at the Rumble Rants, you guys, I'll see what you guys are up to, if you don't mind. See if there are any questions there that I can address quickly. They love sugar over there at Red Rumble. Uh... So, hmm. Sally Method says only the vaccine will keep you alive and you get a free donut. I don't know what that means, but okay. Uh, and she's calling people You're silly over and there. whoever salty is calling people racist. That's the silly group. All right. So uh, it used to be Twitch, but so here's the deal. Let's look at what we have coming up next week. We have Dr. Robert Malone coming next week on Wednesday at three o'clock with Dr. Victory back again. Uh, what time I, do you have to leave, Drew? Today, okay, yeah, uh, I got to leave about five thirty at the latest. Maybe okay, five twenty. He's going to be on Fox News tonight. If anybody yeah. else, Fox LA, News. Fox LA, yeah, not Fox News. The the what Fox, is it called? What's it called? Fox Eleven. Fox Eleven. Fox yeah. Eleven, which is here locally. In Los but Angeles. you can also watch it on Facebook. I think they live stream or foxla.com slash live or okay. something. Okay, uh, we do. We have. I don't see anybody hooked up for Tuesday or Thursday. No, nope, we might be taking calls. Right, so, I don't know. So, so here's Our the deal. Booker has COVID. So here's the deal. I feel a lot of you have your hands up. I see you. I appreciate that the hands are up. Can you meet me next Tuesday at three o'clock? And I'll try to work my way. I I, rec I will recognize some of these names and pictures again next week. I'm pretty good about that. And I will try to get you first thing Tuesday, three o'clock. We'll do more question and answer. And I suspect we'll do the same thing on Thursday as well next week. And I also suspect that we will have a lot to talk about with uh, – uh, with the group, you know, answering questions after we've talked to Robert Malone. I, I suspect he has some provocative stuff to say. We'll, on we'll Thursday. That's on Wednesday is Malone. Thursday, back to calls again, I suspect. And uh, I enjoy doing these calls uh, programs. I appreciate you all being here for them. And I appreciate the great questions and the great feedback. And uh, we will see you. Check out genucell.com. Dr. Drew. Yes, so we can Drew. keep doing these things. Uh, and uh, thank you all for being here. We'll see you on Tuesday at 3 o'clock. Get your eye clean. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor, and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. 